Thank you for tuning in to the Clear Talk Podcast, a podcast brought to you by Solutions 360. We'll be jumping in right where we left off on our previous episode for part two, cracking the supply chain code with Avidex's VP of Procurement, Michael Stanmeyer. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. So as you think about, so, and, and then on the idea of data analysis, and we have worked with a lot of our customers on that is use your own data to, to make your decisions, not what the manufacturer is telling you, because we've all experienced this. Um, um, I don't, wouldn't call it, uh, but, but I don't know what to call it, but it, it, they're not very accurate. <laughs> and uh, sometimes our own experience is more accurate than what they put out there for future or hoped for or whatever they're planning on. So that's a great idea. So, but we continue to have unpredictable lead times, right? And what what do you what do you do to help circumvent that level of unpredictability? Even with your best data mining, uh, you think it's six months, then it might be two months. In which case, you're sitting on gear and and um, ca- out of cash for pocket for it, or it might be nine months. In which case, you're having to do the the dance with the customer to move projects out. What what tools or ticks do you have on managing that unpredictability? <laughs> You know, it it really is unpredictable, even still today. Um, And the one thing we've looked at it with our inventory is we try to keep a certain level of inventory, right? Everybody wants to not burden the cost of inventory. And you're comparing that versus your credit cycle against your receivables. Um, And and you really have to, to be smooth operating. You have to keep lean inventory and not hold the cost of all of that. Um, we do look at ratios of our allocated inventory versus available inventory, um, you know, and what's a comfort level for us. Obviously, if revenue's up and sales are up, your total inventory is going to increase. Yeah. Um, and, and in some cases, that's completely fine if you're growing. Um, but having too much available and unallocated, what we do have to look at with the unforeseen, hey, this was supposed to be here in three months and now it's six months. And actually, we just heard it's nine months um, is working with our customers, right? And that's where good account executives and good relationships come into play to say, hey, we've been holding this for you. Can you take it, right? We we can't hold it in our warehouse. Uh, we've purchased this four-year project. These are unforeseen issues. Um, a lot of times there's a redesign, right? What products are available and can we sell a scope versus selling products and a bill of material, right? We're gonna give you the same system scope-wise and same deliverable, it just might not be the same piece of glass or the same um, component in the closet. Um, so that's become very important as well. But uh, one thing we've we've done as well is look at versus all of our back orders and all of these components that keep pushing out. We do a back order report versus what's available, what's been returned from projects, what customers have redesigned. A lot of them can't. They're they're willing to wait. A lot of these customers. Right. Yeah. Um, that's that's actually been surprising the amount of time that corporate standards by our customers have trumped kind of getting projects done. Yeah, they're they're willing to sit there and wait. And some of them that are willing to wait, unfortunately, aren't willing to take the bulk of the gear that we have sitting. Right. Um, so we'll do exercises to essentially, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul, where we'll go through our available inventory. We won't touch the allocated unless project managers, account executives are willing to part and wait for what's inbound. Um, but we do look at 
all of our existing back orders. I'm not canceling any POs today, right? right? If a project gets canceled or redesigned and I placed a PO specifically allocated for that project, it's we were going to keep it on order. And if we're going to cancel any PO, it's going to be the last one placed in the back line. Right. Um, so we're constantly doing this shuffle to, you know, help help each other. So we, if we have all of a sudden a highly desirable product come in and it becomes available, we're running reports almost weekly to say, well, this is available, but what's already ordered and on back order and go top of that list and see how we can improve a project manager's forecast and, and get things, key components in the field to help customers and projects. Um, and that's a constant shuffle that's still ongoing, which helps us get ahead of lead times. If we had a project land tomorrow, I might've placed it four months ago and that project has we, we keep shuffling things forward because that project had one become available from another project. So um, it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of things you can have to do pre-pandemic, but uh, it it helps move things forward. Sounds to me, and what I'm hearing is an unintended benefit of the pandemic is the level of communication across this, the different organiz, the organizational pieces that tend to become siloed, right? We've all familiar with the sales pointing at engineering, engineering pointing at project management, project management pointing at, you know, the the, the commissioning engineers, whoever, right, on, on getting things done. And what I'm hearing from you is that your company has become much more nimble and able to build communication channels that allow you to do these things that in the past would have created a, a fairly inefficient system to work through. In fact, most of us have tried our careers to get rid of those inefficiencies. Um, and you've discovered a different path, which is communication, coordination, and nimbleness is what I'm hearing, if I'm, if I'm picking up on that correctly. You are. And I, I mean, we like to think we're doing it efficiently, right? Um, it's easy to go first in, first out. Right. That's easy, doesn't disrupt the system, doesn't cause headaches, but it's not always what's best for the business. You mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, I want to return to that, about the role with partners, right? You and I were part of the good old days where you had the QBRs. And the only question was, what's your volume incentive going to be? How much more are you going to take this year, right? And both sides would, would you know, posture and squirm or whatever we needed to do. But that was really the only question. Like, how do we, how do we become more important to each other? So, but the pandemic has changed those rules. How has it impacted your partner relationship, not the individual items, right, the, the missing DSP or control, but the overall relationship with your partners? How, how has that changed for you? You know, in a lot of cases, um, you're, you've doubled down with your big partners, mm -hmm. right? Um, whether that's a distribution partner or a material vendor, you've, you've provided a lot more information. Right. And and you sit there and have way more detailed reviews versus just eh, what do we think we're going to do? Did we grow 10 percent? Did we hit our metric? Uh, it's, it's more about, hey, how can we get you more? Because we need more support. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring you more share of the business in order for that uh, priority or and, and the negotiation becomes less recently about what's our VIR, what's our GIR, what's our marketing money. Although that's all very, still very important, it's, it became about how are you going to help me get my gear? How are you going to give me accurate information, right? The worst thing the partners do is, is the bad information versus right. when you have to call them and say, my gear was supposed to be here last week. It's still not here. 
we want people that are communicating up front and saying, hey, you're expecting this next week. There's been an issue. It's pushed out. Give us advance notice so that we can be nimble and, and move. Um, so a lot of the discussions turned to what's our freight policy? What's our allocation policies? Um, how are they going to help us with that? It also opened the doors for a lot of new vendors, right? right. So where you had these big back-end programs pooled with a few vendors, in order to get that same achievable bottom line in return, it's a bunch of small ones, right? And, and there's a lot of growth within these new new manufacturers, new vendors, and they aren't new, but maybe they're new to being a big part of our business. And um, yeah, so it's it's completely changed and, and a lot more information sharing. That's interesting. Yeah. So become much more mutually dependent on each other, share the information um, rather than try to hold the cards close, close to your chest as a way to improve your supply chain cycle. Yeah. Across. And I will add to uh, manufacturers that sell through distribution channel uh, became way more integral to that process of sending them our back order reports. Right. right. Here's my back orders placed at all these different distributors you use. You tell me who's getting allocation first. You tell me where it is, right? Because because I need it tomorrow, right? Right, and and trying to work the system on on both sides is uh was was crucial for large projects. Sounds like you're um I mean, you don't have many gray hairs, but it sounds like you might have inherited a few through this process, Michael. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's some whites coming through. I have to get rid of them. Through. So, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? What have you noticed in the supply chain now that we're you know, two years into this, um, what, what's what's coming next for you? You know, I, I think everyone's probably seen this. Their lead times are getting better. The information's getting better. Uh, rather than the lack of communication and things pushing out, um, it's becoming a little more reliable. I think the next step, what I'd like to see is, I don't think things are ever going to be on the shelf, but if they say, hey, it's going to ship end of August, it is end of August and it's a reliable date. Everyone was trying to, get its information so far up in production. And there's a one glitch in a component and supply of production. It, it's just a huge snowball effect. Um, so it, it is getting better. I think we're gonna see a new normal this next calendar year where things will stabilize. Um, and it's also getting better because you see some of these new parts, right? First, there was new parts due to, well, we have some component changes and there's a couple of features missing or we have two parts running at the same time that can do the same thing, depending on which components we get. Um, but now there's actually new parts in development, right? New technology and things that are starting to emerge, which uh, tells us people are able to clear through their back orders and backlog as, as well as start investing in the R&D and the new product launches and things like that, which is exciting. That, that's, that's exciting news to hear on behalf of the entire industry. So yes, thank you for that. Um, so let's conclude with um, what are the lessons you've learned that you use to manage supply chain today that might have been different than the principles you came into the job with, um, you know, a couple years ago or three or four years ago? Um, you know, that old sales saying of uh, under promise and over deliver, right. I think can never uh, can never go away. Right. It's communication to the customer is so key. And. They, they know what's going on, um, you know, and if they don't, they, they've been living under a rock. So it's working with them on, you know, things may take longer, but we need to communicate. I think communication is key right now, uh, still with the issues going on in supply chain. 
um, getting ahead of things. And that communication goes to our partners, our vendors and manufacturers as well, right? They, if they're not expecting a large order to hit next month for an important end user, then we're all in trouble because they're, they're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul and the rest of the industry and the channel is going to hurt from it. So um, as much information as possible to our manufacturers, to our customers and being transparent, right? It's a two-way street, no matter which relationship it is. That's, that's an excellent way to end because I think that's been the theme of our entire conversation today and, and an unexpected gold nugget for me in the fact that when we talk about supply chain procurement, the role of the strategic partnership, it turns out that a lot of this is just turning, uh, creating good communication habits, good communication habits with your sales team that give you pipelines that you can actually believe in, that you can order against, good communications with your customers through the entire process of uh, helping them understand why you might be asking for deposits and, and, and seeking their their aid or changing the design and the scope to good communications internally, allowing project managers not to hoard, but to free things up so that we can keep the, the projects moving to good communications with your partners to come circling full stream back and good communications with the customers to keep them on track of what's going on. So thank you so much, Michael. This has been a great conversation and, and the, the nugget of improving communications as a way to improve your supply chain really jumped out through me, at me through this conversation. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great discussion and uh, always enjoy catching up. Same here.